Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. The following podcast is part 27 in the series Contending for the Faith. This is the morning service of Sunday the 29th of November 2009, entitled A Summary of Where We've Been, Part 1, and the Bible reading is the Book of Jude. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. Today's is going to be a little different uh, as we have covered so much territory and It's so easy a lot of times to get lost in the midst of all of it, lose sight of our focus, and we want to keep our focus on the aim and purpose of the series, which hopefully today we can use to remind ourselves of where we've been and what we've covered in pulling it together in a perspective I think it's absolutely crucial that we keep these things fresh in our mind. I wonder if I ask you right now, on the one hand, who can tell me in order chronologically the titles of all 26 sermons that we've had? I'd struggle to do it myself because sometimes I just have to cut off and start up and cut off and start up, but that's not the important thing. But What we do want to keep track of and keep our focus upon is what the ministry and teaching of those sermons have been about. We've tried to, first of all, recognize the importance of contending for this faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. Our faith hasn't changed. It's never changed since the day the Lord gave it to us. Society changes, cultures change, people change, but God never changes. We just change about it. He's the unchangeable one. He's the ageless one. His word does not change. He delivered to us a faith once for all. But you know, it's all a bit pointless to go through a series like this if we listen to these words week after week, and yet they don't really have any impact on our lives and the way that we're living whatsoever. The Word of God should change us. It should affect us. It should affect the way that we think and the way that we live. I would encourage you. Now, probably one person is going to be upset with me here this morning because she thought so much of you last Sunday night that she actually asked me to please, please preach last Sunday night's sermon again this morning because so many of you weren't here to hear it. (laughs) I did try. It would have been a whole lot easier than all the hours I spent putting this summary together. (laughs) But the truth is, is that, you know, there's probably a number of you that have missed a lot out of this series And I would encourage you this morning that if you've missed any of the series, that you take the time to at least download it from the website and listen to it. If you don't have a computer, if you can't do that, then see myself, uh, see one of the deacons. uh, Let us know that you need copies of this. And of course, we'll be absolutely certain to make sure that you you can, can get those copies. But I don't say that because that you've missed some great preacher or some great preaching, I say it because you've missed some great truths from God's Word. 
You see, Sister Rolda was concerned about you last Sunday night because, well, more people got the doom side on the Sunday morning of the judgment side of God when he comes, but all the great delight stuff that's going to be there for the children of God they missed on the evening. You know, as a pastor, I, I say this not to be mean. I had to give up a long time ago, Sister Rolda. I don't preach because you're here. You see, some of you are not here sometimes because you just choose not to be because you've let the other things in your life get you so worn down and so tired that you're too tired or you don't have time for God to have any more of it. Some are not here because they're physically not able to be here. And God understands that. The problem is I can't make you want to be in church. I can't make you want to be here for the sermons that God has given. And I can stay pretty discouraged if I stood up here and worried about all those hours that I put into preparing it. And hey, nobody wants to hear it anyway. But I say this with all the love in the world. I stand behind this pulpit and preach for God. I love you. And I prepare all that I prepare and take it very serious that you might gain something from it. But if you're not here, I can't do anything about that and I can't make you want to be here. I would ask you maybe this morning to ask yourself this question. You've heard it before. I've said it before and others have said it before. If every member of this church were just like me, what kind of church would this church be? Would we have services every week? Or maybe just sporadically? Would we have one time that we come together a week or two or three? If there was, everybody was just like you, how many would be out there winning souls and out on the outreaches and going out to give? I, I don't say that to me. I'm, I'm just saying that we are a body together. And the truth is how important is God's work and how important is God's messages is something that each and every one of us, but you see, I'm encouraging this morning not to be here because you've got some great preacher in the pulpit, but because God's Word is important. And God has given it to us for a reason. And I can promise you, I've been attempting to preach this in some way or portion for more than 30 years of my life now. And I still don't have enough that I don't need more. None of us do. You know, God's Word is so, so deep and so rich and so full that we can just keep digging and digging and digging, and there's always more to get. No other book like it in all the world. You could take a book and you could study it from cover to cover, and you can study it, but there comes a point where you've just gotten all the facts, you've got everything out of it that you can possibly get but you can study the Word of God for a lifetime and never gain all that's there. We find that it will be a complete impossibility for any of us here today to contend with this faith as we have been instructed to do so by God if we don't know what we're contending for and why. Folks, just look around. There are too many around us that call themselves Christians. 
And many of them really are Christians, though all of them unfortunately are not. Too many of them that do not take the instructions that are given to us here in the book of Jude seriously. As a consequence, some of the very cardinal, fundamental truths of our faith have been allowed to be slipped by the wayside, to be compromised away. We have many would stand and say to stay away from those doctrines because they divide and we want to bring together. Well, I can assure you, we want to bring together too, but we want to bring together in love and truth. Doctrine is supposed to divide. It's supposed to divide the right from the wrong. We find that we can't fight for something that needs to be fought for if we don't know what's important to fight for and we don't know why that it's so important anyway. Psalm 11 verse 3 said, If the foundation be destroyed, what can the righteous do? If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? I can tell you, if the foundations are destroyed, folks, we have nothing to stand upon. We have no hope. You see, there are areas we can get into different styles and different divisions and different decorations and all of this, but we need a sure foundation there's got to be a foundation that, that we're all built upon. You might want to paint your room a different color than I paint mine. You might have a different taste in art and, and different things. But the foundations must be sure. That's what we've been attempting to look at. I wonder, just personally today, you know, the first most important thing is the genuine Christian faith a part of your life. Are you holding on to something that's not even real in the first place? Are you holding on to, to some religion? Are you holding on to some turnaround that you made in your life? Are you holding on to some prayer that you prayed with your mouth, but it never came from your heart? Or are you part of this genuine faith, the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. And I would ask you further, if you're part of that faith, how serious are you about your Christian faith today? What does it really mean to you? I'm talking about the one true faith that was once for all delivered to the saints and that God, He has commended it to our care. And he's commanded us to contend for it, to fight for it. I wonder, are you really willing to fight for the truths today? Or are you afraid that they might offend your, offend your lost friends? Or are you afraid that it might offend your Christian friends? Are you willing to stand if I... You know, we, we were talking about it in the Bible study time this morning. Folks being gracious and loving and compassionate and caring do not mean that you're weak. You need to be compassionate. You need to be caring. You need to be as gracious as you can. 
but you need to be strong. You need to be willing to stand. You don't go out making people mad just to be making them mad. There was never a more compassionate being that walked upon the face of this earth than the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet never once did he compromise a truth. Never once did he back down from the truth. That's not doing yourselves or your friends any favors. I remind you as we look back, lest we forget. In Jude, I invite you to stand with me for the reading of God's Word this morning. You know I'd get there eventually. I haven't even got to my introduction. I haven't got to my scripture reading yet. We better get going here. <laughs> Jude, verse 1. Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. If you're here and if you're a child of God, if you've genuinely been saved today, then these words are written to you. Mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Is it interesting? that as he gets ready to teach us to fight, that the first thing that he does is to talk about peace and love being multiplied to us. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Why? For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. I will therefore put you in remembrance, though you once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, Afterward destroyed them that believed not. And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Likewise, also, these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion, and speak evil of dignities. Yet Michael the, the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, does not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke thee. But these speak evil of those things which they know not. But what they know naturally as brute beast, in those things they corrupt themselves. Woe unto them! For they have gone in the way of Cain and ran greedily after the error of Balaam for reward and perished in the gainsaying of Kor. These are spots in your feast of charity when they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear. Clouds they are without water, carried about of winds, 
trees whose fruit withereth without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots. Raging waves of the sea, foaming out their own shame, wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lust, and their mouth speaketh great swelling words, having men's persons in admiration because of advantage. But, beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lust. These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the Spirit. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And of some have compassion, making a difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to the only wise God our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. Father, again, we beseech you to help us to meet with us Lord, to take and speak to each and every heart here today that which they most need to hear. Lord, may you speak that that comes directly from you. And Father, may each and every one of us be responsive in whatever way is necessary for your honor and for your glory. In Christ's name we pray, amen and amen. We began with this passage of Scripture, and we began by breaking it down into four different areas. First of all, as we looked at earnestly contending, how many of you remember? I tried to make it real easy to remember. We said that there is a fight to be fought for a faith in its fullness on a foundation that's firm against a foe that's a fraud. Folks, the simple truth is there is a fight that needs to be fought and somebody needs to be fighting this fight. And that fight is to fight for a faith in all of its fullness as God has given it to us, not watering it down, not compromising it, not making it what feels comfortable, what feels good for us 
but taking the whole counsel of God as he had given it to us and let it affect and change and make us what he wants us to be. A fight to be fought for a faith in his fullness on a foundation that's firm. And we've got the solid foundation. The Lord Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone and the foundation of the word of God that he's given to us. He's given us the foundation that we need to build upon, not upon man's, not upon some churches, not upon some denominations, but upon a foundation that's firm against a foe. That's a fraud. Our enemy. Oh, he tries to pretend to be a lot of things. He tries to pretend to bring you goodness and joy and fun when all it is is heartache. He pretends to be enlightened many times when he's walking in darkness. Our enemy is a fraud. He's a fake. He wants to take you down a, a path that would lead you away from the only truth that could ever change your life and away from the only thing that could ever make your life count for more than all this world. You know, you can't have enough degrees and enough positions. You can't have a high enough office. There is absolutely nothing that you can attain in this world that would compare to simply being what God wants you to be, being where God wants you to be, being used as God wants you to, to be used to change people's eternities, not to build up kingdoms here upon this earth, but that people might be able to be part of a kingdom for all of eternity. What does God want to do with your life? It's not a question of what you want to attain and where you want to go with it. Too many times, every one of us in our humanness if we're not careful, that can take over. God has commended to you the keeping of this faith. And he's asked you to fight for it, to stand for it, to keep it what he delivered, not what anyone would make it. We said, secondly, Contending for this faith that that means exposing the error. Exposing the error. We looked greatly at apostasy, which is what is being talked about here. And remember, an apostate is someone that has known the truth, but has rejected it or turned away from it or gone another way. You see, that's the problem today. A church that will not stand and contend and fight for this faith. They will end up becoming apostate because they will drift from it. They will go away from it, even though they one time held it. How many of you know Christians that one time stood strong in the faith and yet now they've turned away from those very truths? How many of you know churches that have one time stood for those truths and preached those truths and taught those truths and yet today they've turned away from them? They wouldn't appreciate being called apostate. Most of them would call it enlightenment. <laughs> they think they found a better way. Folks, there's only one way. There's only one truth. And that's been delivered to us for the keeping. 
I'm saying to you, we must expose the error. First of all, historically, we remember the past. He takes us here to Jude, and he says, remember what happened to those before. That even though God's blessings were upon them, they turned from it. And we said that we need to look at the apostasy here. Recognize the present, their activities. And we need to have a true appraisal of what they're really doing and what it is that they're actually accomplishing. But folks, this is not something that should get us down and make us weary. We looked finally as we looked into the book of Jude and contending for this faith, we looked at how we can experience confidence. You don't have to go into this battle with any doubt whatsoever. You can go in with the confidence, not in yourself, not in your flesh. If you're not careful, we can all sometimes get just a little bit too cocky and thinking that we've got all the answers. I'll tell you right now. Some of you have known me long enough to find out I don't have all the answers. I don't know all the answers. But I can approach this with confidence because I've got the right foundation to build upon. And I've got the right one with the power and the strength to help bring us the victory that is ours. Experiencing confidence and enjoying contentment. <laughs> we ought to be happy in our walk with the Lord. We ought to be contented. We're contending, but we can be contented while we're doing that contending. We can be happy in walking with the Lord. I can tell you this. You might think that it's some of those things in the world that will bring you contentment, but the Lord's the one that will bring you the real contentment. The contentment that could be yours despite all those problems, despite all those difficulties, because you're walking so near to him and you've got so much confidence in him, you don't need to worry about building the confidence in yourself. It doesn't matter if you don't have the strength. It doesn't matter if you don't have the answers because Jesus does. And if you're walking hand in hand with him, he's the one that's there with you. You don't have to worry about failing, not because you have to be strong enough, not because you have to accomplish it, but because he will. We need to contend for this faith. We need to do it with confidence. We need to do it with contentment. And of course, we move from there to, okay, you know, how do we know? I mean, you know, to so many people, there's so many things that say, well, this is important, that's important, and people divide sometimes over some of the stupidest, silliest things. God wants us to be at one with each other. But the truth is, is that if we are to be at one, there are some essentials. There are some fundamentals. There are some things that are cardinal, that are foundational, that cannot change. That you cannot, it cannot be this faith that was once for all delivered to the saints if we lose track of some of these foundational, fundamental things that we've got to be willing to stand and fight and die for if necessary, as those before us have done. It will erode. 
there will be those that will come in unawares and, and lead away and try to, to take us away and to say that those things don't matter. God says they matter. And we begin looking at some of those fundamentals. You see, this is what I was stating before. We might have different styles and different tastes in some things, but there are some things that are fundamental that if we're part of the same building, if we're part of the one church that the Lord Jesus Christ is going to bring together when he comes back and calls us all out of here at the rapture, then there are some fundamental foundational things that you must be built upon. And if you're not, then you're not of this faith. You're not of this building. You're not of the church that Jesus Christ himself is building upon this earth. You see, we move from there, first of all, to the basis of our faith. The first fundamental that we looked at, the inspired Word of God. See, that's not hard. If we, I mean, if we have something that is founded, what are we going to base our faith on? And, I, and I've said this time and time and time again. How many of you have ever discussed anything with me? How many of you have ever had a different opinion than me on something? Shame on you. <laughs> I know none of you have ever found me to be opinionated, right? I don't have strong opinions about things. <laughs> but listen, we can, we can be opinionated and we can have strong opinions and strong feelings about things. But what we need to realize and understand is that we're not talking about just things that we feel strongly about. You can't have your faith based upon, no matter how strong I feel about it, if you're only believing it because that I've said it, then what happens when the next preacher comes along and tells you something different? Or the next book that you read tells you something different? It's amazing. You know, anybody ever read any books? Does it affect your thinking? Is there anything that goes in? You know, amazing. Good books can do wonderful things for you. But bad books can do horrible things for you as well. I mean, we see it in print. We just believe it because somebody said it. Why don't we just believe God's Word? We can't. All men are capable of error. But our faith, this one that we've got to fight for, and I know everybody out there says, yeah, we're the ones that are following the Bible, not those others. <laughs> Have you ever heard any church, any religion, any denomination that says we're the right ones because we don't follow that book? <laughs> no. Even those of the fathers from it, they claim to be following it if they claim to be Christian. Now, surely some get so liberal out there they don't, they don't have complete confidence in all of it being right. <laughs> Everybody claims to be right. How, how am I supposed to know, preacher? Because the foundation of your faith better not be what man says, what you read in some book, what some preacher tells you. And I hope, you know, you've heard me say it before. I'll just stick it in here. I won't charge anything extra for it. <laughs> you ought to be part of a church where you can have confidence, where you can join in and be part of, and you ought to have confidence in the preaching and the teaching of that church, or you ought to be somewhere else. But just because you've got confidence doesn't mean that there's a pastor, an elder, a deacon, 
that there's anybody in church leadership that can't make a mistake. It can't be based on just the words. Why do sometimes people say, preacher, why do you give so many scriptures when you preach a lot of times? You know, just a verse or two, you know, is sufficient. We want to support what we say with God's word. You know, you can fall out with me and disagree with me if you want to. But I want you to have to disagree with God if you're going to go another way. You see, the basis of our faith is the Word of God. And unless we believe that this Word that I hold right here is the inspired Word of God, that it was given by God Himself, that it is without error, that it is infallible, when we say it's inspired, we mean that it's literally God-breathed. When we looked at it, we used several words that started with an I, again, to try to help you remember. We said that the inspired Word of God, that it's inspired, inerrant, infallible, indestructible, indisputable, and inclusive. It's got everything we need. You see, this is where our faith, if we're going to contend for anything, and be careful, be careful because it's not open to any private interpretation. There's no greater interpreter of Scripture than Scripture itself. God never contradicts Himself. God never changes His mind. If you're reading something that doesn't really jive with something else, then it's your understanding that's wrong, not God. Study it. Know it. That's what this study is all about. We want it to be based upon the inspired Word of God. Now that took us up through about 10 sermons. And then we moved into the second of the fundamentals, that is the eternal existence of a triune God. You know, this Word, that it is the Word of God, we, we can understand a lot of things about God by looking at creation and the things around us, but this is where we really get to know Him. And, of course, this Word teaches us that God has always been and always will be. And though it's hard for our minds to understand and comprehend that God always has been and always will be a triune God, three persons making one God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Folks, that's foundational. There's nothing else to compare it to because you've never met another God. One day it'll be easier to understand when you've met God face to face, I'm sure. There's nothing we have to compare it to. Oh, we can use all kinds of types, and we do that, and I do them as far as illustrations, and we looked at some of those, but the truth is we've got to fight for the fact that if we don't have the inspired Word of God, then we don't have a basis for our faith in the first place. And if we don't believe that God is an eternal God, ever-present in three persons, then you're simply of a different faith. That's not the same God. That's not the same Jesus that has saved my soul. And of course, from the eternal existence of a triune God, we turned our attention for the next 15 sermons 
covering four other fundamentals concerning the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Now, I was going to read to you out of our statement of faith of our church exactly how we summarize both of these first two fundamentals and the ones concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. I made a statement to you when we began to look closely at the Lord Jesus Christ that, you know, we can be wrong about a lot of things, but we can't be wrong about Jesus Christ. Our faith is not about a bunch of rules. Our faith is about a person. We looked at the importance of what we believe about Jesus Christ, our Lord, and His relation in our Christian faith. We find that we've looked at four things. First of all, His virgin birth. Remember, I told you that without the virgin birth, there is no divinity to Christ. He can't be part of that triune God. If he wasn't born of a virgin, he was just another man. Without the virgin birth, there can be no doctrine of the Trinity even. Without the virgin birth, there is no inspiration of God's Word because we see clearly how God said that Jesus Christ was virgin born. All of these we've already seen as fundamentals of that foundation to our Christian faith. We said that without the virgin birth, there are many. You know, I mean, listen to me, folks. Don't be fooled. I know many that would even take on the tag and describe themselves as, as Baptists just like we would that have denied the virgin birth now. The truth is, is that many try to make it something else that's easier to explain because they've never seen it happen. And guess what? They never will. <laughs> that's what made it different. You take it away, there is no gospel. You take it away, there is no atonement because Jesus was born of sinful man just like anybody else. You take it away, there is no salvation for anyone. You cannot have the faith that you and I have without the virgin birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. It only becomes possible because God, God himself became man and he came in the flesh and he came in his sinlessness that he might be able to save sinful man. Nothing else would work. We said, secondly, that not only, not only must we hold that virgin birth as a fundamental of the faith, but also his vicarious death, his vicarious death, the substitutionary atonement of Christ is at the very heart of the gospel. Without it, our faith is worthless. Without it, we're just another religion. It is fundamentally essential. I gave you some reasons why that it was essential. One, because of the sin that was committed. Because of the sentence 
that was imposed because of the sacrifice that was required because of the substitute that was given. Jesus Christ, our Lord, his virgin birth, his vicarious death, thirdly, his victorious resurrection. <laughs> the Christian faith without the literal bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ is a faith that is without value. It leaves your faith and our preaching all in vain, the Bible says, all worthless, all for nothing. Without the bodily resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, not only is our faith without value, it's without virtue. Because the truth is, me and everybody else that proclaims it is just a bunch of false witnesses. And God says that. That if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, we're just false witnesses. Without the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ, our faith is not only without value and without virtue, but we said it's without victory. We are still in our sins. The payment of death is still due. Yes, it was when Jesus died upon the cross, when he shed his blood, when he paid for our sins, that it was there. But folks, it was the empty tomb that proves that that sacrifice was sufficient. He overcame death. He overcame hell. He overcame the grave. None of it could hold him. Why? Because the sacrifice was sufficient. Oh, that's why that... The old English. <laughs> he uses some of those words that, Chris, when was the last time you went up and talked talk to somebody about their propitiation, you know? <laughs> but the Bible says that Jesus Christ is not the propitiation for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. And that's what that word propitiation is all about. It means that when we found that empty tomb, it was proof evidence that Jesus Christ met every requirement that God had. Everything was fulfilled. Everything was met. Nothing was left owing. It was sufficient for the sins of the whole world, every human being that's ever lived and ever will live. The sacrifice was sufficient. But has that sacrifice been applied? It was sufficient for your sins. You see, Without the bodily resurrection, people today tell us it doesn't matter whether or not he was virgin born. People today tell us that it doesn't really matter that he died his death the way that he died. People say it doesn't really matter whether or not he physically, bodily came out of that grave, that spiritually he was resurrected. Folks, our faith, without it, it has no value, no virtue, no victory. You know what else? We're without vision. <laughs> Matter of fact, the Bible says without it, we're just a miserable lot, <laughs> that there is absolutely no hope for the future. If in this life only we have hope, we are of most men most miserable. It's only because of the empty tomb 
that Jesus Christ was bodily resurrected, that you and I can have hope that one day we'll be bodily resurrected, that there is a future, that there is a hope beyond the grave because of him. So you see, I'm going to have to cut off, and we're going to come back tonight. And if you're not here, then you're just going to miss another one <laughs> because we're staying here. And God willing, tonight, we're going to look again and just review together. You see, the truth is, it's not hard what we've looked at. Why has it taken us all these sermons to do so? I hope because they're not just statements. You know, I've stood here and I've made every statement this morning about every cardinal truth that I've said in all 26 of those sermons. But that's not the purpose of it. It's to look in God's Word and find the, the grounding and the foundation for those things and why we believe them and why we've got to believe them and why we've got to fight for them and why we can never, ever allow anyone to tell us that they don't matter. And there's some others we're going to be looking at in the weeks ahead. But I'm saying don't get lost in the midst of all this. To you and I, to the true believers here today, God has commended these truths to you and I for the keeping. And he's asked us to contend for them, to fight for them, because there are those that are going to try to slip in unawares without you knowing it and lead you away. Folks, don't let it happen to you and to this church. We've looked at the importance of this battle, and we've tried to look scripturally as some of these things, don't lose sight. Don't let these sermons just be something that you've heard and forgotten. These are things you've got to be willing to fight for. These are willing things that you've got to be willing to stand for, no matter if anybody else stands for them. Because you can't have the faith that you've got. You can't have the genuine Christian faith without them. It cannot exist without them. Oh, I'm glad that I've got brothers and sisters in Christ that I disagree with about all kinds of things. But I know they're still going to heaven. <laughs> I know that we'll still spend eternity in glory one day because they're right on the fundamentals. They're right on the fundamentals. And we need to be right on the fundamentals. And we need to know it from God's Word. Father, we thank you again today for this time that you've given us together. Lord, as we look at these things, I pray, Lord, that for today has been a time of just trying to remind us of where we are, of what we're doing. I know that we've covered a lot of ground, but Lord, these truths are so simple and they're so sure. And Lord, I pray that you would use this reminder today, use these words that you've given to us, inspired in the book of Jude, to remind us, Lord, with all the love and compassion in the world that we're reaching out to try to, to save those from the fire. But Lord, help us to be strong on those that faith that was once for all delivered to us. Help us to stand firm. It is only those truths that can change people's lives. If we let them slip, then there is no hope. Father, you know the hearts of each one here this morning. There may be someone in our midst. Lord, they're not part of this true faith. 
Their life has never truly been created new. That's why they still struggle so with those old things of the flesh. They may be trying genuinely, but they need to, as we sang earlier, they need to, to be a new creation. Father, we pray that there are those here today that have never truly been saved. Oh, may you allow them to see that. May you allow them to recognize they need to be a part of this faith genuinely. They need to know that with all their hearts, and it needs to be based upon your word. And Father, maybe Christians here today, they're saved. Oh, they haven't been putting up much of a fight. They've just been letting anything and everything go. And the truth is, they need to be fighting for this faith. They need to be contending for it. Somebody's got to be in the battle. It's being destroyed all around us. And Lord, in all of our imperfections and all the things that we don't know, help us to stand firm on the things that we do know that we must know. Father, there may be those here today that are saved. They've heard all these things. It's not really made a difference in their life. You don't really have the place of preeminence that you tell us that you should have. It's not you and your work and the things about you that's got the number one highest priority in our lives bar anything else. Maybe there's some here today that just need to recommit their lives to you. They need to submit themselves to you in the rightful place as the Lord of their life. Father, I pray that you'd help them not to leave here today. Help the lost not to leave unsaved. Help the backslider not to leave without being restored. Help the Christian not to leave without being fully committed, Lord, to walk with you, to give you the rightful place, to let your will above all else overcome their will. Of course, in Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you.